Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 324, Finance Friday Edition, where we interview Gracie and talk about saving money and building wealth, even when it doesn't seem like there's any easy options. Uh, one of my thoughts was maybe someone just needs to tell me to get over myself and figure this out instead of just spending and then wondering what happened. So I'm good at that. I've done that for 10 years. You know, I did the payoff and then we did FI. So I'm a little bit um, throwing a little tantrum inside because I didn't want to get to this point and have to continue uh, cutting the budget that much. But um, if we can do a three-year model where uh, I see flexibility opening up in the three years, we could do it, I think. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me, as always, is my carefully considering all angles co-host, Scott Trench. And with me, as always, is my thoughtful co-host, Mindy. Great to be here. Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, coast fi, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate uh, or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards your dreams. Scott, today we're talking to Gracie who has a great financial position if she wanted to do Coast-Fi, as you mentioned, um, which we talked about on Monday's episode with Jess from the Pioneers. And uh, it's kind of funny how sometimes these shows just work out back to back like that. Yeah. And she also has, like, she's she set herself up in a great position, but I think she wants a little bit more. So there are other options she can pursue. Yeah, I think I think that there are definitely options, but there are no easy options. And um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, we want a lot of things. We want to be able to have plenty of time and we want to be able to have a surplus of, 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 uh, of, of money. We want to have passive income. Um, we want to have, save for retirement. And sometimes you can't do all of those things at once. You have to prioritize and pick and make sacrifices on some of the, uh, in some of those areas. And that's hard. And that's what we're going to get into today. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. 
Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yep, absolutely right. So Scott, I want to remind you and our listeners that the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice, and neither Scott nor I, nor Bigger Pockets, is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Gracie and her husband, Frank, live in a high cost of living area. He works full-time while she stays home with currently two, turning to three kids in November. The shift from two incomes to one was a bit of a shock, and their initial fine number now seems too low. They're currently saving 14% of their income after taxes, and Gracie's wondering if she should go back to work once the baby is born so they can increase their financial cushion. Gracie, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Hi, Scott and Mindy. So excited to talk to you. Thank you. So we're going to do something a bit differently today. I'm going to read Gracie's financial snapshot. She and her husband make a salary of $101,000. They have additional income of approximately $24,000 for a grand total monthly income after taxes of $87.50. Their expenses seem pretty good on the surface at $71.35. We've got $2,000 for mortgage, $400 for utilities, almost $1,000 for groceries. So I see a point right there that we could work on. Um, $150 for beverage, $300 for home supplies, $115 at restaurants. You're doing really good there. $125 for gasoline, $457 for giving, $388 for medical, which is really in America a steal, $159 insurance, miscellaneous at $700, $147 for car insurance and maintenance, an average no questions asked spending fund of $973 a month, travel at 280. So just off the bat, I can see some areas where it would be easy to improve, but I don't have any backstory on those. So we'll get to that in a moment. As far as investments go, we have retirement funds at $495,000. Nice job at age 35. Uh, Mutual funds in $206,000, and I do want to clarify what mutual funds means, Uh, other in $16,000, that makes me um, cringe and think maybe crypto, cash at $23,000, thank you, thank you, thank you, home equity of $210,000 for a grand total of $950,000. So with our debts at nothing except for a home mortgage, 2.75% 2.75% interest rate, $490,000. All in all, I see this and I think you're doing really good at age 35. I mean, you're doing really good anywhere. Americans aren't saving money. So this is a great picture of your financial situation. Let's look at how you grew up with your finances. Okay. Um, so I do, yeah, it will be helpful to go back just a little bit. So starting out, uh, my family had very little money. Um, 
and the money that we did have, we didn't do very well with. I started working at the age of 15 and I've worked every year of my life. I've spent every dollar or I spent every dollar of that and quickly racked up 60K in debt by the age of 24. And um, that did include about 30 grand in student loans, even though I started out college with a full ride. Um, but they don't give you a full ride back when you drop out of school and go back later. So um, anyways, in 2011, I did find Dave Ramsey, thankfully, and um, was halfway through my college degree and actually started um, just paying off my debt and cash flowing the rest of my education. Um, I did everything Dave Ramsey suggests, multiple jobs, cash envelopes, the whole thing. I even got out of an upside down um, vehicle loan, which was one of my greatest achievements. <laughs> um, around two years into that, and my original um, estimate was that would take four years. So about halfway into my process of paying off debt and finishing school, I met my husband, Frank. And um, he also came from a family without a ton of money. However, they were great with money. They were frugal and good savers. So we have a little bit of difference there. He had no debt other than a mortgage when we met and assets, um, like non-home assets. So it was great. Um, his family only paid for half of his college and he paid the rest with summer jobs. So he was doing well and he was okay with my situation just because I was cleaning up my mess. So it was great. Um, 2014, we get married. We um, finished paying off our debt. And I guess we were looking up what to do when you hate your job because we started um, making plans to do a mini retirement. Um, I believe I was listening to Tim Ferriss a lot. And I do recall finding, I don't know how, but I read the Early Retirement Extreme book. I actually read that book. I loved it. But um, anyways, I haven't read it in quite a few years. Um, so anyways, we did that. We started our May retirement with a plan of one year of travel around the U.S. and South America. That lasted five months. And this is in 2015? <laughs> yes. We started that trip in 2015. But uh, we ended up moving to where we live now, which is a pretty high cost of living area. Um, not the highest, but, um, pretty up there con considering where we both moved from originally. And what state is that? Colorado. Ah, so we moved here. We still continued hating our jobs. And that is when we discovered the infamous Mr. Money Mustache. So we went all in on reading that blog and we were just on the same page to really try this financial independence thing. So we began in 2016. And I think that's about the time that Mindy and Carl, you guys finished your journey. Um, I do remember we did see the 1500 blog. We were, we knew all the blogs. Okay. We knew everything, but our biggest thing was the Mr. Money mustache. So we followed that. We set our goal for $1 million. We planned it out. It would take five to seven years. And approximately six years later, we did hit our number uh, in December 2021. So we hit our $1 million net worth number. Woo, we should celebrate, right? <laughs> um, but yes, that was a big year in general. We had our second baby in 2021, February. 
I quit my job in June and have been a stay-at-home mom since then. And we also bought a new house in July. So um, even though I wasn't working half the year, we still hit our number. Well, now um, we have hit our goal and we're in the middle of a potential recession. I know they haven't declared it yet. And the largest inflation we've seen... (laughs) And we're not really sure what to do from here. Congratulations. That's awesome. You have, you, you hit your goal. You, you have two kids and another on the way. So you've obviously been crushing it. Can I ask you what, um, prior to you quitting your job, what were, what is your, um, what is Frank's and yours profession? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I was an accountant. Uh, I have a CPA license, but I worked generally in industry, not in, I did like one tax thing. So I was a general accountant and, uh, my, and Frank is a, an engineer. So he actually works for a construction, uh, company and is now doing like estimating. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I see lots of awesomeness. And before we get any further, I want to highlight the fact that you are 35 years old, right? You're 35. Right. Yeah. We are both about okay. the same age. Yeah. You're 35. Yeah. I'm 35 too. You're 35. You have $1 million in net worth. You have zero debt outside of your mortgage at a 2.5% interest rate. Your house is worth way more than you paid for it. Well, you bought in June of 2021. Yeah, your house is worth way more than you paid for it. And you have a marketable skill. So if something happens, you could like people still need CPAs all the time. Worst case scenario, you can go do taxes the first part of next year. There's a lot of optionality you have, but you're sitting in a good financial position right now. It may not seem like you're sitting in a good financial position because you hear from people who come on the show, they're like, yeah, I've got no kids and I'm saving 97% of my income. Well, great. That's that's their story. Your story still has you at a $1 million net worth. That's awesome. Let's celebrate that. Thank you. Yeah. And I have to say, like, accounting was not my favorite thing to do, but I did it for 10 years because we had these goals. And finally, I was like, you know, I don't think I should stay at a job that I do not like just to make a little more money when I could be with my children. Um, hardest job in the world, but uh, definitely I couldn't see the trade-off anymore, especially given our position. It's like, okay, we're not underwater. We're not like, you know, in a bad position. So why trade more money for a job you hate, right? Absolutely. So so what are, what are the goals here? What, what can we best help you with today? Uh, so big picture, we want to spend time with our children. Uh, Frank works full time right now. And I will say that he's in a better position with his job than he used to be because we live closer to his office. He bikes to work. He has very pretty good hours. I don't want to say easy, but he is not doing like 60 hour weeks. So he's in a pretty good place, but he would ideally like more of a flexible work schedule, maybe a four day work week, maybe something partially remote um, so that he can spend more time with me and the children. Um, I get to spend lots of time with the children and would love a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe regularly scheduled childcare without necessarily putting them in a daycare, you know? So that's kind of our big picture. Um, More specifically, I would like a little more flexibility with our budget because yes, we hit a big goal. However, it's not nearly as fun as I thought it was going to (laughs) be to be a millionaire or whatnot. Although we're a little lower 
given the market right now. But, um, you know, we still have to really carefully manage our budget. And now, and like you said in the intro, going from a dual income to half uh, was quite a shock. And it has taken us a year to kind of adjust. And I still feel like we adjust every month. It's like, oh my gosh. Um, so um, I would like to spend more, but that's like sort of a long-term play. Like eventually I would like to spend more. Currently, we're where we are. Um, and my questions are around how do we live on what we're making and spending? Um, how do we get over the fact that we're not saving 40 or 50% anymore? And is that okay? Um, I know there's such a thing as coast fi. Is that something that we should just accept in this position? I, I think that's helpful. And, and I think if I were to rephrase, well, 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 I think I think the best place to start would be to reframe or to restate the reality of your situation, real quick, right? You are you are a millionaire or very close. However, almost all of that wealth is in your home equity or in your retirement accounts, with the exception of it, it sounds like two hundred grand in mutual funds at this point. So, this this wealth is not generating any material cash flow. For your situation, certainly not more than ten percent of of monthly spending in a reliable way. Is that right? That's right. Yes. And and um, can I just add on to that? In our current spending or saving, um, it's kind of a weird way to look at it. But in order to get our employer match, we put a certain amount in to the four hundred one k. So we have as part of our saving a big chunk going to a four hundred one k. And are, of course, home principal going into our mortgage payment. So that makes up our savings, which is puts us a little upside down. So if you look at the cash flow, we're actually sort of funding the savings from our, all, our currently liquid funds, which is around 200 right now. So it's almost like we're going even further into that. Uh, middle-class trap, I guess you would call it, where all of your money is sort of locked away to, until traditional retirement. So per Perfect. I think, that's, I think it's a great way to, to state the problem. Let, let's go back to income real quick. You said you have a, a salary of, a, um, Frank makes 101000 and you have additional income of 24000 Could you, could you um, is there any more nuance to those two numbers? Any bonuses, for example? What is that additional income? Yes. So you mentioned the salary of one hundred and one. Um, and that's for just the current year. And then the they give you a medical bonus of a thousand. We discovered we have um, oil royalties at our current property, which was really amazing. So that's estimated at about four thousand uh, per year, and then a bonus of fifteen and a four hundred one k match of four. Okay, so the twenty four is going to be this oil royalty, never heard of that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, bonus and then 401k match. That's right. Yeah. What, what I'm trying to understand as well here is we've got a hundred and we got 8750 coming in per month after tax. Mm -hmm. So you're funding your retirement yes. accounts and having all that stuff. And we have spending of 7,100 per month. Are you saying, is that, is that accurate or is, is the reality coming out differently and spending is more or less matching or even sometimes exceeding that, 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 uh, in that, that, the cash inflow from your wage income? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I could admit that 
this budget is a little bit more uh, what we would like it to be versus what it is. Um, and so far, like I said, in the past year, we have just, it's like sometimes money just comes in and we can cover the deficits. So we haven't truly had to sell any mutual funds yet. But when you look at the numbers, that's what's going to have to happen eventually. What the reality of the situation that I'm hearing is this is this is an aspirational budget to some to some extent, and you're kind of treading water, or how, that's how it might feel right now from a cash flow standpoint. That is right. That is definitely how it feels. And if we hit this budget, it's like, okay, we're only going to be upside down this amount. And upside down in that our savings is just being kind of moved around. Not that we're going into debt, but- Makes sense. Yeah, it does feel that way. <laughs> okay. And it can feel that way when you're used to saving so much money and then you stop, but you also had so much more income and that went down. So the amount that you're saving is going to go down. Um, you mentioned several things. Number one, that Frank would like a more time with the kids. Has he asked for a reduced workload? No, it's not something he has yet asked for. Um, it's just something that he's sort of building his career experience towards that direction. So he used to be some someone who was on site for construction projects in sort of a management role. That is not something you can do part-time or remotely. So he actually shifted into a role where he could eventually dial it back more. So he has done that, um, but he's just trying to build his experience right now. But has he asked for it? No, not yet. Um, one of the things that Carl did when he was getting ready to retire, he wasn't mentally able to wrap his mind around retiring. How can I just leave this? Like, it's a big step. So he went from full-time to part-time. He asked his boss, can I work three days a week? And his boss said, yeah, I don't care. But he built it up as this like huge thing that was going to be this 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 big conversation and he was like prepared for his boss to say no. And then his boss was like, yeah, I don't care. So perhaps Frank could work it such that he could do four 10-hour days. He's still getting all of the time in because really what's an eight-hour day versus a 10-hour day? You're already there at work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an extra hour on either side mm -hmm. or, you know, four tens, four nines. And then he does, you know, a half day on Friday or, you know, something like that. If he could propose several different structures to his boss, mm -hmm. maybe his boss would say, hey, that's awesome. And if Frank's been there for a month and a half, that timing's not good. But if Frank's been there for years and years and years and is a valuable asset to the company, his boss is going to want to keep him. So, you know, that's uh, more of a research opportunity for Frank to start thinking about in what ways does he provide value to his company and how can he continue to do that on a reduced workload or reduced days in office kind of thing? Because that's going to give him a lot of uh, mental space to help out. And if Frank is staying home with the kids on Friday, then Gracie can go back to work for one day a week or three days a week and the kids are in childcare for two days a week. You've got another six years until baby three is in kindergarten because baby three is in November, baby. That's baby three starting kindergarten late. Um, I have a November baby. So 
that is, but that's only six years. And then you can start working again. So it's not like you're never going to be able to save money ever, ever, ever. You're just Mm -hmm. on hold right now. But then you said you are CPA. Holy cow. Everybody I know is firing all of their clients. All the CPAs I know are firing all of their clients because they're sick of dealing with all of these pain in the patoot clients. You could be the pain in the patoot CPA. I'll deal with you tough people and I'll make a lot of money because I only have to deal with 10 clients and I'm going to do all of your work and here's the story. And you don't have to be a full-time CPA to make a lot of money as a CPA. You just say, this is what I charge. I'm that good. If you, oh, you can't find anybody else because you're such a pain in the butt that you fi- everybody's fired you. Well, now you have to pay my rates or do it yourself. When I, when I think about your situation at a high level zooming out, I think, you're treading water right now from a, a savings position. You are funding the 401k. That's great. And you're paying down the mortgage. So th- those are automatically happening. Um, mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of flexibility in your situation right now. Um, and I'm having a hard time seeing how we can get you to that combination of having more time for both of you with the family and be able to spend more uh, at this point in time without major major creativity and big moves uh, in that situation. So I think we should go through some of those options, major strategic pivots, and then kind of see how any of those feel and whether what, what the reality, um, what, what, which, which path um, smells right to you um, that you'd like to, to think about more. So on the one hand, um, like Mindy said, we, we, you're in a situation where you've, you've done a great job saving for retirement, you're not accumulating lots of cash in your life or investable, like spendable cash flow from your situation. But if you want to just chill on your current situation for the next five years um, while your kids are are young and entering school, and then resume working at that point um, to begin accelerating other types of savings, you'd be fine. You're you're way ahead of the pack for in terms of retirement savings, uh, and your financial situation could could easily weather that. Right, you're not going to be able to spend a lot more right now or make big shifts uh, unless be, you know maybe there's some tweaks like a working four days a week, like Minnie mentioned there. But that, so that's one avenue, right? It's just, hey, we've got a good situation. We're going to we're gonna hang out here. Yeah, to like coast. Yeah, coast yeah. by. And I, I agree. I think right now when I look at it, it's like, well, we're set up for traditional retirement. Like we can get all of these things when we're 59. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I agree with you. That would take a major pivot to do anything right now. So, so the second, the second thing would be let's let's look at our our assets and how we've allocated capital to this point, right? And right now, that that has resulted in a situation where you've got you know seven hundred grand in stocks, most of which are in retirement accounts. You've got three months of spending in cash, uh, and you've got um, you know uh, another two another two hundred grand ish in your home equity with that. Right mm-hmm. now, and 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 the the framework I used to, I like to think about this is if I were to give you a million dollars after tax right now, what would you do with it? Um, you know how how would you redeploy that? And that would be a great exercise to think through with Frank and say what what would that look like? What how, how would I be feeling much better if my position looked like, for example, a hundred grand in cash, um, and then two hundred in the home equity. Um, 400 in, 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 uh, or 200 in after-tax stocks, 200 in retirement accounts, and 300 in rental properties uh, are, that, that are local. Would I feel better about that position or worse? I don't know. My preference, Scott, my, my preference here would be something that had 
a higher cash position, probably six months to a year of that cash reserve, um, and that had a little bit more real estate or after-tax um, 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 wealth skew there, and a little less pre-tax because it just gives me more, more flexibility uh, and optionality to make big moves in, in a general sense. Um, but that's a personal decision, and I think that, that would be a good exercise for you to think through. Once you've just decided, hey, here's my portfolio looks like, then take, okay, in three years, I'd like my portfolio to look more like this and less like my current state, and that will tell you what to do. For example, if you wanted real estate, you might stop contributing to the 401k and piling up more cash so you can invest in that next rental property, um, for, for example. Um, or you might keep your current home and move into another property um, to, to reposition that home equity as rental property wealth, if that made sense. So those would be for, that would be one thing, to, one area to consider. And the last is going to be on your income statement, right? And right now um, you're not bringing in a major cash surplus. And so you could make drastic changes there and say, how do I, you know, make some serious changes here? Um, is there, is there a new way I could reimagine my day to day that would enable me to, spend, you know, 30% less overall. Can I, is there something I can do with the food budget? Is there something I can do with the, the mortgage here? Is there something I can do with transportation in a general sense? Although you spend almost nothing there. Um, what, what does that look like? Uh, and maybe, maybe we can, we, we could walk through some of those line items or there's a move in place, which of those feels right to you of those three areas coasting on the current situation, redoing the, the net worth position and reallocating your, your capital or focusing on that income statement? I definitely think uh, reallocating our net worth position where everything is. And originally we had planned, um, we had put more in pre-tax thinking we would do the Roth conversion ladder, but we haven't fully stopped working. So it's not going to happen anytime soon. But I don't know if I see a way, other way to like, reallocate our, our, um, assets other than what you mentioned about stopping the 401k. And is it worth losing the match, which it's 4,000. I mean, it's not like a huge part of our world, but it's nice to not lose extra money. Is it worth losing that to then redeploy that savings somewhere else that would give us more flexibility? Um, so it's something to think about. Are you maxing the 401k or are you taking the match? Just the match. Okay. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Listen up, business owners. Here's some quick math. Fewer costs equals more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Don't let rising costs sink your business's growth. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash bpmoney. That's netsuite.com slash bpmoney. netsuite.com slash bpmoney. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. I think that's, yes, I think that's, that's, that, that is, um, that makes sense. And so you don't really have much to redeploy from a cash flow perspective. It's going to the mortgage and to the, the 401k. So yeah. that leaves us with our, that leaves us with coasting or the P and L. Yeah. And our biggest thing is I, at least from what I'm seeing is this house. Um, it's a big part of our world right now. So that would be a pretty major uh, thing to change. So I don't know if that would be worth it. Um, just to give us more flexibility. I mean, and just to be clear, Frank loves the house. He loves the setup. It's close to his work. 
he has no issues with any of this. So it's more of me trying to find flexibility in our spending and in our, in our, where we're going. I know if I called Dave Ramsey, he would be like, sell the house. It's way too much of your world, like budget wise. So knowing the front range market, like I do, where are you going to go? It's a great question. Um, and actually we were planning to move. So we come from different States. Uh, we don't, neither of our families live in this, in Colorado. Um, so we had actually thought we would move closer to family and ended up staying. Um, so there is still the idea that we could move close to family. Uh, one of us has family in a lower cost of living state. One of us does not. Um, so it's just a matter of now do we do, do we pull that trigger? Do we pick one of our families to go live by? And is it worth it um, to basically location arbitrage uh, our financial position? Yeah, well, well, that compounding that is probably your incredibly low interest rate on your property that you have right now. Yeah, like what we would buy is probably going to not really change uh, or the payment probably wouldn't change that much. Yeah, I haven't run the numbers, but yeah, you're probably right. Even in a lower cost of living, I'm, I don't know how much lower of a payment we could get at this point, unless we just pay cash for a house. Yeah. I don't know if that would give us the flexibility we're looking for. But in a lower cost of living area, what sort of income can you make? And I believe I know what state Mm -hmm. is your lower cost of living area and they have very high property taxes. They have very high sales tax. So you are changing your absurdly low property taxes here for kind of unrealistically high property taxes out there. Um, There are like, I, I, I don't know that that is... Are you talking about Wisconsin? I am. Okay, so I actually, I consider that the higher cost of living. Oh, okay, option. okay. Because because of what you're talking about is the property tax. It's one of the highest in this country. So we, yeah, it, it would be very high. And then, but the other option is Tennessee. Oh. So no state, in, no state income tax. The property tax, I think, is right around what it is here. Um, and not, we wouldn't be going to Nashville. So that would, you know, be good. Cause that's, they're crazy over there. Um, <laughs> like cost of living is high there. <laughs> I would run some spreadsheets, Miss CPA. I would look at all of the things pro and con it and see what are the benefits of moving versus the benefits of staying because Tennessee is actually a really nice state. You don't have your winters. Like I knew Wisconsin was one of those states. And I'm like, Ooh, Wisconsin's great, but it's also like winter lasts 12 months a year. And it's, I've lived in Wisconsin. Don't send me emails about how great Wisconsin is. I know it is. It's just really hard to live there for like seven solid months. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different opportunities. What sort of income would he be making in Tennessee? I've never lived there. I'm not sure what they're their salaries are? Um, That's a great question. Yeah. And um, question on that, do you think it would be worth trying to get an offer just to see? Because um, yeah, like he's, Frank has never looked. So how do we know? How do you know what you're going to make there? I think it would certainly be worth a couple of hours of searches on indeed.com to look up, you know, where, what are salaries in Tennessee for whatever his job is. I can't remember what his job is. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, if he's making 101 here and he can make 30 there, that's a real easy answer. And that's a hard no. 
if he, but if he's making 101 here and he could make, you know, 85 there, that makes the decision kind of a lot more like neck and neck. And then you've mm-hmm. got family there, which is really valuable. That's time away that that you can, you know, get a breather. Uh, another big part of our budget, speaking of, you know, do we cut our, you know, expenses somehow, a big part of that is travel back to see our families. Like that travel budget is not, ooh, let's go to the beach and rent a hotel and all this. No, we go stay with our families and it's basically just airplane rides to get back to both of our families. So that would be another win if we did that. But uh, yeah, like it's a little bit outside the scope because it's kind of a big lifestyle choice. Like, do you want to live here or here? So it's a hard choice to make. Yeah, I, I think I think there are definitely, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to any, any of these things. The easy answer is cut that spending down by 30 or 40% and go to town on that, right? Uh, and, and that solves half of these problems. That's a painful, methodical, slow grind to do that. And I think that we should acknowledge it as a as as a as an answer to your situation that there are probably items to shave and things that you could get um, more disciplined on with that and and really settle on that not not the aspirational seventy one hundred yeah. a month but but actually bring that down to a reality where you're spending four five five and a half six grand a month uh, and having that net cash accumulation tick back up that will bring flexibility so I think that that's that's something we should should acknowledge there because there is no other um, major life move that you're that you seem like really able or willing to make at this point in time on that front. We can get creative about income uh, on those things, and we can think about a big move here. But I ask you this: Do you like Colorado um, better than Tennessee or Wisconsin? Well, this is part of uh, the problem: is that I kind of glamorize moving back to Tennessee. We actually, Frank and I met there and we had a great time living there. And he just, however, he just had to come back to the mountains, like the big mountains. He had lived here for a short time. So I don't really care. I think the mountains are great, but I think this area has its downfalls. Uh, For example, it's getting way busier. You can't really get into the mountains for under four hours. some days. So yeah, like I, it, so that's another thing where maybe outside the scope of the show where it's kind of like a marriage negotiation, like where do we live? Um, so there's that. And then of course the culture, uh, you know, I love that everyone out here is so active and fit. That's an awesome benefit. And we would love our kids to be raised where it's normal to go hiking on the weekend or whatnot. And the same is true for everyone in Tennessee. We can't badmouth people of Tennessee. Uh, no, but that's true. That's true. When we lived there, we had found like the group of outdoors people. So we found them, but you know, it's not as out here. You just go and you're like being passed on the trail by an 80 year old and you're like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I think the idea that I'm hearing that's sort of coming to mind is Maybe we sort of reset another goal of opening up our cash flow for a reason that's not spending, but it's more like opening up our cash flow to invest in a way that we can later access income, like you said, rental maybe. But, and to do that, we would need to cut 30 to 40% of our spending. Uh, question is how, like, what areas do you see? Like, what are the biggest red flags when you look at our spending 
that you would just be like, this is get rid of this or work on this really hard. Groceries, no questions asked, spending and miscellaneous because I don't know what's in miscellaneous. And groceries, for example, are 978. Miscellaneous is 700. And no questions asked is 973 a month. Yes. Just for, yes. for folks who are So that is $2,700 right there. That's a third of your budget. I'm making that up. I didn't do the math, but that's that's a third of your budget in three categories. Groceries is going to be high. It's going to be, you know, and I'm struggling. Everybody's aware that I am tracking my spending publicly at mindysbiggerpockets.com slash Mindy's budget. You can see that I am blowing my grocery budget every single month. I am hardly the right person to talk about about this, but I'm really trying to get my grocery spending under, and my kids are 15 and 12, and they eat like linebackers after a game. So I do think you can get your grocery budget down. Scott, Daphne eats more than you. (laughs) (laughs) They're just hoovers. Nice. But I do think you can get your grocery budget down. I'm wondering if you do anything like grocery planning, meal planning, or- I I do, yeah. and Like, where is that- thousand dollars going is it all organic stuff is it like grass-fed kobe beef and like is there a reason behind it because sometimes people are like i spend a thousand dollars and it's very regimented and it's just you know meal uh uh like food allergies and things like that and some people are like i just spend it because i have no idea where it's going yeah and i think we're like we're, we're neither of those. I actually have, starting in December last year, we spent 2000 Oh, well, that's great. You've done you, you, huge improvements. Well, I was like, we got to, we can't do that. So I started tracking it very detailed. I won't bore you with that, but I know exactly what we're spending it on. Um, I do meal plan every week and we don't eat out. So we are eating a lot home. And um, I will say we have a, you know, three-year-old and 18-month-old. And gosh, I feel like we throw away so much stuff because they don't eat what I give them. But I don't think that's killing us. Diapers aren't killing us. So even though I know where it's all going, it's like I feel out of control with it still. And I, every time I buy groceries, I feel like shocked. And and I don't, I definitely don't know what to do <laughs> um, with that. And you mentioned like, is this wild game or organic? No, we we don't really, we do eat a lot of fruit and vegetables. I make sure we have nice produce, but not like nice, but you know, there's produce and fruit. But um, Frank is a hunter and we have a lot of wild game that we use every week. So we don't even buy that much meat. Um, probably we could just quit buying meat altogether. So that's an option. Um, but yeah, I don't know what to do about it. And I even split out, supplies and stuff, because I was like, I think this is really inflating my number for groceries. So that number is actually just the food. It's not even, you know, paper towels and stuff. I think, I think it's hard. And I think that, I think that that's where, I think that's where I think this is really helpful. I bet you there are a lot of people who are feeling exactly the way you do about budgets like this, but you know, and I, I don't, again, I don't think it's going to be, I think the, that's why it's the easy answer is to say, let's cut back on spending. I get like, but we get it. That's going to be hard. There's going to be like, I'm, it sounds like you have great command over, over these things, or at least track it, um, very thoroughly each, each month with that. Um, it doesn't change that this is a, that this is, this is, these are the numbers and we have to 
go to where we think the leverage and the numbers are, and there's no leverage on the income front, and we don't have too many action outbill items on the net worth category. And so how what can we do here um, on that? And so so I think I think I would like to wrap it up with three big points for you um, okay. for, for advice. First, I would sit down and I would model out what is the reality of your situation going to look like over the next three years with a couple of standard assumptions. Spend some time, build, build out an Excel model um, or a spreadsheet and, and go and say, what's going to happen to us in three years, in five years, uh, in 10 years, if the current trajectory holds? Reasonable assumptions for income growth, expenses, these types of things. And say, how does that change if I was able to make these cuts in these areas, what would have what would have to be the reality, and what does that do to my model uh, over in three to five years? What is it? What happens if I move to Tennessee? What happens if we move to Wisconsin um, um, for for these areas? And then using those numbers, I would sit down with Frank and say, "Well, what do we want to do? Like, are things are we happy? We want to just we want to just kill, um, keep hanging out here in Colorado and 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 living the good life with with this. Do we want to um, move to 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 Tennessee? Do we want to go to Wisconsin? Do we want to make some sort of change? And how does that how does that change my outputs here that I'm that we're that are going at and and and, and what do we want to do? And the the artifact that you should construct there, the document, I think is is the vision, right? It's a half a page or a page long description of where you want to be in three years, and you can cascade the goals from there. And I think that will at least give you clarity where you can say, this is the decision we made, and these are the outputs of that decision, what they're likely to be. And we're aligned with that. We, 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 can, we can live with that um, from that. And that will help you inform, do I want to go to town trying to find more in my budget? I probably don't have much of my groceries. Is there anything in miscellaneous? Is there anything? What? Why? Why am I not actually accumulating the sixteen hundred dollars that my per month that my budget says we should be accumulating? Am I forgetting a um, an overhead allocation or a capex account um, equivalent for our lives um, that that should be in that in that category? Or what? What is that? Um, you know. Uh, so sorry. Sorry. We have model. We have money date and vision, which we can repo- you can just put as a draft and repopulate it every couple of months uh, until you settle on what you want to do there. And then I think you have your out, the outputs of that will be, do I want to concentrate on spending? Do I want to concentrate on income? Do I want to concentrate on capital allocation and re- realigning my accounts? But unfortunately, I think that you have um, brought us a hard problem here where we can have, a, we can have any of the things you listed, but we can't have the combination of things that you want without making major financial changes and lifestyle changes, most likely with that. Um, and so, hopefully, this this artifact will be the the way to to negotiate or or make those trade offs with Frank. How's that sound? I think that makes a lot of sense. And really, you know, halfway to our million dollar number, we did realize, oh, I don't think this is going to be enough. We'll figure it out when we get there what to do next. And when we got there and we never figured out what to do next. And so I, yeah, I do think that's where we are kind of stuck is we haven't done another projection out for uh, three years. Where, where do we want to be now that we're here? Where should we go? It's more like, well, here we are. So um, I do think that would be helpful um, just to run a few scenarios out. And I actually really appreciate um, hearing your thoughts on cutting 30 to 40%. Um, one of my thoughts was maybe someone just needs to tell me to get over myself and 
figure this out instead of just spending and then wondering what happened. So I'm good at that. I've done that for 10 years. You know, I did the payoff and then we did FI. So I'm a little bit um, throwing a little tantrum inside because I didn't want to get to this point and have to continue uh, cutting the budget that much. But um, if we can do a three-year model where uh, I see flexibility opening up in the three years, we could do it, I think. Well, how much money do you want to be saving? That's a good question. And and that's where I think we'll have to look at what our options are. Um, so for example, if we want to um, buy a property, I'm just going to throw that in there. I mean, we haven't fully talked that one out, but if we wanted to buy a property that would increase our cash flow um, in three years or a couple of properties, I don't know anything, but um, then that would help us back into how much to save above the 401k. And so that could give us a new saving goal. So I guess right now we don't really have a saving goal. It's like, okay, save enough, hit the match, and then our forced home principal. And so we have no other goal right now. Personally, I I, re, I revised um, Set for Life. So I, I, well, I guess that is a shameless plug in this particular uh, uh, um, uh, show. But, you know, I, I'm going back and rereading that and I'm like, good God, when I was five years ago, six years ago, I was another person. I was I was spending only this much. I, every day I was doing this. I was reading a book every like two days on this. Uh, I was working out five, six times a week. Now I, I look in the mirror, I'm like, I, that's, that's what two beers a night, you know, three nights, four nights a week have done to your stomach there. That's what this is like. And, and it just kind of gave me a kick in the pants personally. And I, to, to reignite, like, what was I doing four or five, six years ago? Uh, and I slowly drifted away from some of those things to to get into this spot where I'm not really feeling about like, 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 like you know, as good about some of those things. And I wonder aloud if maybe some of those things may have happened in your budget um, to a certain degree. Not not obviously the, the <laughs> you know, the, the, but like, I, I just was like, huh, something about what I was doing a few years ago. I was happy. I was happier in some ways with a couple of things and and I was saving more and things were going going good. It, you know, how can I get back to that one step at a time, piece by piece with this? And so that was my goal. And so for the last six months, I've done, you know, I've gotten back into that. I'm not, I'm not a Scott, 24 year old Scott, uh, that's for sure. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely, you know, doing a little better than I was this time last year during the pandemic, when I really let a lot of my like best practices about how I run my life um, go out. And perhaps some of that is happening to you. I don't know, but, but perhaps that's helpful. Um, if not, you can, Feel free to leave it. Oh yeah, I mean, we definitely have slowly slid away from our, our original, like, uh, I don't know, discipline around spending, big time. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of work we could do there. And, and that made me unhappy to to realize that. And I'm much happier now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never going to get back to the three thousand dollars a month or whatever crazy low number I was spending at that point in time. But I'm definitely coming back, getting back into shape in a number of ways right now. And it feels good. And it's a process. And it's definitely uh uh you can give yourself permission and whack to wax and wane over those things. But perhaps after you set that vision, you can be like, you know what? The next this next year we're gonna continue getting, you know, um every month a little better here and and getting this this thing back into the the shape that I was in four or five years ago, which is what got us to this millionaire status in the first place. So perhaps that's one bit of motivation that could be helpful. Yes. Thank you. 
Love it. And I'm going to throw back out there the tracking your spending, because when you're not consciously tracking every single expense, it is so easy for $20 here and $50 there and $7 there and $90 there. And all of a sudden you're like, why am I not able to save any money? Where is all of this money going? And then you look Looking backwards is one thing. You can see, oh, wow, that was a big $250 expense at Ikea that I really didn't need. But when you're in it every single day and you're looking at your numbers, go look at my numbers. They they add up, thanks to my friend, Mr. Waffles on Wednesday, they add up every single time I put an expense in there. So they, And they turn red when I go over my budget. So that is a great big, Mindy, you're doing it wrong, Every t- that the whole world can see at biggerpockets.com slash Mindy's budget when, when you, s- but then I know I'm in, th- that's open on my computer screen all the time. And I see it and I think to myself, oh, my budget was $750 for groceries and I'm at $700 and I've got a week left. I am going to do everything I can to eat out of the pantry so I don't have to go over budget. Or, wow, I already hit 800 and it's week two of the month. Holy cannoli, I am in a mess. So at least it's like it's conscious and I can be thinking of other things in my budget that I can like, oh, I'm definitely not going out to restaurants the rest of this month to try and keep everything more more in line. Um, So just, I mean, having it there to see where everything is going can be kind of eye-opening. Yeah, I... I agree with that. And it is, you know, we track it all the time, but we still don't follow. We don't like it. We don't see the red, you know, oh, we went over because it used to be like, oh, 1% of our income off here or there. No big deal. But now it's kind of a big deal. So I don't know how to get back into that, but I do think you're right. We need to like together actually agree on the numbers we don't want to go over. Yeah. And that's the money date. Pick one and make it the goal and get it back on track. Right. I was tracking my alcohol consumption and you know, on a daily basis, I'm like, there's a four. What the heck am I doing? But then there's a three this week. There's a, there's a five, you know, for, for, it's like, what am I doing? That's so much booze that I'm consuming. It's so bad for me. It's so much, it's like, and obviously this is not your issue. You have a baby on the way uh, from that. So I'm using an example that clearly does not apply, but, but that, that's like kind of perhaps, you know, put it, put them on, stare at them and then pick one and fix that one and then pick another one and fix that one and pick another one and fix that one and slow and, and give yourself permission to have it be a six month or a year process to do it. Um, because it's not, you're not going to be able to go cold Turkey and cut all this stuff out, but perhaps that yeah. would be a good way to, to attack the, the challenge here. And you know, you can do it because you've been there. Um, you'll never get quite back to the financial shape you were in before you had, you know, two kids soon to be three and all these other things going on, but perhaps you can, you can, you know, uh, say, I'm going to, I'm going to buckle up here and, and figure out a couple of these points, um, bit by bit and make it a point of pride to get, uh, to where old, old Gracie would have been very admiring of, of the, the, the discipline that that's, that's in there, you know, five, six years later. So great. Love the motivation. Yeah. We need it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Gracie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I thought this was a lot of fun and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. So helpful. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay, Scott, I think 
that the only piece of advice we didn't give Gracie was maybe she should try winning the lottery, which is actually really crappy advice. I like her story. She has set herself and her husband up in a good financial position. And I think now you said it pretty succinctly. She's got three options to choose from. Which one does she want or which combination does she want to use? Which combination of levers does she want to use to move herself forward? Yeah. And, and one thing we talked, we didn't touch on during the show, but we talked a little bit afterwards in the post recording was this concept of maybe earning more income. Um, perhaps with her tax background, there are seasonal parts of the year where she could work um, and, and hire out childcare during those periods of time. Um, and, th- and that might help her bring in some seasonal income that might be very high dollar per hour, for example. So a couple of options, that was one option we didn't discuss in the show, but one that we wanted to call out there. Uh, I think that the reality though, is that it's a hard, hard, a tough situation um, from that. Uh, it's, it's a tough mental situation. She's obviously done really well and has won in some ways. She's a millionaire, um, you know, uh, and, 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 and probably is set from a coast five perspective, but um, you, you we, we couldn't find a way to say, hey, you can, you know, here's how to stay home or have both of you guys stay home. Here's how to have enough, in- how to spend more uh, in a general sense. And here's how to accumulate more wealth uh, and produce f- flexibility. She will have to go in and kind of make a, make a determination along with Frank about what they want a few years from now and in the present and be realistic about what will happen if they choose those paths and then live with those those choices. So um, there are a number of good ways to approach things, but none of them get all of the things that we want um, in the, in the, from the goals that, that she stated at the beginning of the show. Hopefully it was still helpful for her and Frank, though. I think it will be. Yeah, I think they have a lot of uh, things to talk about. And, you know, what they decide today doesn't have to be the only thing that they can do forever. Let's make a plan. And I think that they have been really good at creating a plan to get her out of debt and creating a plan to reach Phi in six years. That's awesome. And creating a plan for this. But then I think that they don't currently have a plan and that's where they are needing to work on. So I think you gave some great ideas and I would love to check back in with her in about six months and see where they uh, pivoted to. Okay, Scott, should we get out of here? Jinx. <laughs> From episode 324 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, see you in a shake, Garter Snake. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.